What would we do, baby, without us? Shalala. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. I'm your friend, Phil Vecchio, and on this episode we'll be playing a rerun. That's right, you guys. It's a very special rerun episode of Alex P. Keaton is my friend. Uh, now, my co-host Keith is feeling a little under the weather this week, and so we figured what better time to uh, play a rerun than now. For those of you that aren't familiar with reruns, which I assume most of you know the concept, but those of our younger listeners, you know, if you didn't grow up back then, it's not something we have to deal with these days. You know, if you uh, want to watch an old episode of a show, you just can put on whatever episode you want whenever you want to. And if you want to watch a new episode of the show, you can do that as well. But, you know, back in the day, as it were, you had a, you know, a regular schedule of when new shows came out and maybe it was a Thursday night or whatever at a certain time you watch the new episode and there's nothing like the feeling of sitting down to watch a new episode of your you know favorite show and it comes on and it's a rerun and uh you know you have the choice of watching one that you've seen before or uh watching something else now you know the the good thing uh, about reruns though is that back then if you wanted to see an old episode of a show that was it that was your only chance to go back and see stuff that had happened before. And so, uh, you know, these days, like what, like I said, you could go back and watch it on a DVD or watch it on a streaming service or whatever. Uh, back then, we didn't have that. And so what we figured we'd do for this week is do a rerun of a very, very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is My Friend. Um, back in our first season, I believe this was episode nine um, of our original run here, talking about episode nine of the series, um, I had a chance to do a very cool interview with um, a cast member of the show, Family Ties. We talk about it occasionally, but I figured, you know, it's been, this happened in December of 2016, so it's been uh, quite a bit, you know, four and a half years or something like that uh, since I actually did this this interview, and so uh, what a cool opportunity to go back and listen to Mark Price chat with me in a small room in a library in Hollywood and uh, you'll notice our hushed tones uh, because we are you know almost whispering uh, NPR style in a, in a little room in the library and um, it's very cool I, I, I listened back through it and I just I think it's a cool interview and if our current listeners haven't had a chance to hear it I think uh, it would be good for you guys to get a chance to do that so without further ado and rambling from me I'm gonna turn it over to uh, four and a half years ago me and Mark Price enjoy the interview guys Sha-la-la-la. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Alex P. Keaton is my friend. I'm your friend, Phil Vecchio, and on this episode we'll be talking about Death of a Grocer, episode 9 of Family Ties, and we'll be talking about a few other things as well with our very special guest host, Mark Price. Sha-la-la-la. Well, I'm here with Mark Price. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, it's been a great time uh, <laughs> trying to make this whole thing happen here. I'm glad that the times are that good to be had by you that easily. Absolutely, I wish the fun came to me that as easily as hooking up a, <laughs> an well, arrangement. But of course, there was a mutual friend here that helped. That's right. Put this and through the hoop. Definitely want to give a shout out to Mr. Mark Hershon of Succotash. He's a great guy. So I uh, I do love his show. But I love him personally. So there's <laughs> a, cool. a bias beyond just his talent uh, right, to right. his uh, as a personal friend. And so uh, when he mentioned that this might be of interest to me, I that's that's all I needed to hear. 
So do you do a lot of podcast appearances? I don't really. You've got uh, not an exclusive, but uh, okay, certainly okay. Uh, that's good. It's good to hear. Uh, one of uh, one of a few. Well, uh, I'm I'm very passionate about family ties and stuff. That's why I do the show. Um, you, in case our listeners at home aren't uh, up, up up to date, you played Skippy. So I'm starting to figure this out. And you're the real thing. I'm the real thing. <laughs> okay, I get it now. What's that? I mean, well, here's here's my deal. I appreciate. I, I grew up watching it. Loved it as a kid. I think it's still funny, but also it's striking how some of the subject matter is handled, you know, hmm. back, you know, 30 years ago. It is a bit of a time capsule uh, as you watch it today. It's interesting to look back and remember those times and uh, see the era captured so beautifully in the way that it did. It's, uh, it's you know, it's the 80s. Yeah. For me, for certainly. I don't know. <laughs> it was for me, too. Or, you know, I was young, but still. I watched it with my family and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how did you come to be on the show? What was like, what was the casting process? How did that work? So I was on another show. Let me see. Which happened first? I did a guest spot first. I did a guest spot on Family Ties first, just a one-time spot. And then that was just going to be one time. And then they kind of asked me back, and it kind of grew from there. Okay. And in between, I did another show. So I... The, for the same casting lady. Oh, okay. And then after that, they just kind of led to a, an opportunity to do, you know, to become what they called a recurring regular. Right. Which, you did like 50-something episodes. Uh, by the way, I'm almost 50. I think it was until last year I thought that was reoccurring regular. It's actually <laughs> recurring regular. It's its own word. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Anyway. la la um, well, okay, so do you have any particular memories of that first episode you were on? What was that like, like jumping into a show that was going? Yeah, well, it hadn't been going that long, and people weren't that familiar with it. I had never heard of it. I remember when they sent me the script audition, like checking it out, like watching it that week. It was on, but I had never seen it before. I'm going, huh. <laughs> and uh, I got particularly excited. After I got the role, I remember when they sent the sides or the you know the script pages to the house. For those of us in the business, the sides. <laughs> I guess the sides is what you call it when you audition, really. So maybe I got that wrong. Anyway, so, the script pages came to the house, and there was more than the one scene that I had auditioned with. There was a whole other scene. Nice. You know, and that, I didn't even know. I didn't even know there was going to be a whole other scene. And that was probably one of the more early thrilling memories in show business I have. So now, a whole other scene. This is great. Which one was first? Then was it the part where you're in the store, or was it with Mallory at the house? Right, 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 right. That was the scene I wasn't familiar with. Was okay, the Mallory in the house. We had played the store scene because that the, that kind of sets up your future relationship there. Yeah, in that right scene. away, right. Yeah, okay. exactly. Now, did you like <laughs> when it started out? You know, I think by the way, the the writer of the episode and one of the main writers and producers of the show, and he went on to create the King of Queens. Okay. You know who I'm talking about? How much of a nerd are you here? I, I'm not that much of a nerd. <laughs> I can Google My, it. <laughs> Michael Michael J. Whitehorn, Michael Whitehorn, he he did, um, we think, there's a suspicion maybe that my character is based on his teenage nerdy self. Really? Perhaps. It's possible. Okay. He supposedly created my character. That's what they told us. Interesting. Sha-la-la-la. So now you started out kind of nerdy-ish, but as, as the series progressed, you became, like, cooler. Is that a conscious choice? I don't know about cooler. I don't know about that, but really cooler? I don't well, know. It's all highly cool is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> and so for you, maybe I was very cool. 
But I don't know that he ever was cool. I don't know anybody's ever used that word. I've heard obnoxious. <laughs> I've heard uh, nerdy, dorky, you know, geeky, whatever. I've, heard, I've never heard cool. Well, for young me playing with Star Wars toys, you know, that's someone there to look up to, Okay, right? <laughs> well, there was that. I have heard someone to look up to. Not really someone to look up to like a hero kind of, but more like, hey, i more relatable. Because yeah. the heroes always, everything always works out right for them. But the guys that when you know, the dorks or whatever, it's like, uh, it's more like me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I did a heavy metal movie. Uh, called Trick or Treat with Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons. And I have a lot of heavy metal fans that related to my character in, in that movie for the same reason. Well, since you bring up movies, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this because probably my favorite movie appearance you've made is in a, a movie called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Or sorry, Killer Tomatoes, Eat France. Part four of Part the four. Tomatoes trilogy. Yes. Um, I love I love that type of thing. Um, how did that come about? <laughs> you know, uh, how does anything come about in Hollywood? You audition for it, whatever. I was... So excited to go to Paris to shoot it in part. We shot most of it in San Diego, but they went to Paris and did some beautiful sights. So we were just going to all the sights and shooting with a French crew that drank wine at lunch. (laughs) My leading lady was a Miss Universe. She actually, she was Miss Holland and she won Miss Universe. And then she acted in this film and she was so sweet and adorable and beautiful. And everybody was in love with her and the whole crew. (laughs) We had such a great time. I mean, really, there was no question about it. And also another interesting thing about that movie is that uh, George Clooney had played in a Killer Tomatoes movie previous. And this one was going to be for him and he didn't want to do it. So you... I stepped in for George Clooney. (laughs) Pretty awesome, right? That's great. There's a few points in my career history where big stars and I intertwine in weird ways. (laughs) Well, any other cool ones you want I can mention? Uh, well, one story is when I, I was the host of Teen Win, Loser Draw, which was on the Disney Channel. Oh, I watched it religiously, believe me. <laughs> all the kids that were on that show, they were all, some of them, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just a little younger than me. I was just, you know, older than, you know, 18. I don't know if I was 19 or 20 or something like that. And they were, you know, 15 or 14 or whatever. And they had their parents as guardians. Right. But we were all staying in the same complex and stuff. But I had my own apartment, and I was dating girls, and I had writers. And <laughs> they thought I was cool. <laughs> so was, you were cool. There was a point. There you go. There were yeah, them too. Them right. and you. Hey, that's right. Maybe, hey, so if maybe there was a point. Good maybe there was a point in time. <laughs> well, um, what, what's uh, what have you been up to in recent years? You've been, you're a busy guy. What's what's going on? You know, in retrospect, I guess I am pretty cool. <laughs> you really uh, are. I got uh, some good stuff going on right now. I got a great girlfriend, and I'm. Touring the country with my comedy show, something I've done before, even the Family Ties show. That's something some folks aren't aware of. But I was a little kid comedian. That's how I kind of got into it in the whole, in the first place. Right. I was on the Merv Griffin show when I was about 14. That's awesome. And they called me in to be on Family Ties or to be on NBC called me in to sort of groom me for something. And they introduced me to Family Ties in the first place. So that was the whole way I kind of really began family ties was the network kind of saying, Hey, we'll try this kid. Maybe he'd be good. That kind of thing. And now you're still doing comedy. I'm still doing it. I love it. My dad was a comedian. I grew up around it. It's what we do. It's just part of my world. Uh, comedy clubs lasted longer than I ever thought they would. They're still going, but <laughs> I'm doing other stuff too. Now we're to the side of comedy clubs, you know, working on cruise ships even. And Ooh, what, stuff what like cruise that. ships? I love cruises. I'm going to be on a couple coming up next month on uh, Holland America. Really? Yes. Where do you, where do you travel line. on those things? You go, you start in Florida, which is a beautiful place to begin. And then you go off to different, you know, I don't know, St. Thomas and different beautiful 
Caribbean destinations and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is cool. See, yeah, see don't ever go. think you're not cool. No, no, no. I, right now I'm thinking I'm pretty cool too because I got, <laughs> I got a great girlfriend. I might, who knows, you know, you never know what the future may hold. With oh. Me and my, my, I'm, it's pretty serious. Maybe we do have a scoop. Here, you know? <laughs> we'll be, this is a little good little time capsule here. Sha la la la. Well, so back to family ties, just, just real quick. Um, so the episode that we're dealing with, this was your, your first episode. Um, it's episode nine. I found my Mallory. You let's found your Mallory. Let's just put it that way. That's good. Um, Hopefully she's nicer to you. Yeah, and she's nicer to you. <laughs> Mallory's mean. And that's, that's what right, I, that's right. Did you ever like start to take any of that to heart? Was there every, like, what was it like once you're not acting? Um, it was, I mean, in retrospect now, it's so funny, but at the time, you know, it was a little bit really like that in real life because she was a little older, not much. I'm not making her out to be older. We're, we're all old now, right? <laughs> but she's just a little older than me. But at the time, you know, and now really a year or two doesn't make much difference, but at 13, 14, 15, sure, you know, sure. makes a big difference. And the guy that's 13 when you're 15 or whatever, doesn't have a chance. <laughs> Period. Right. And so, uh, you know, it was a little bit like, and I was definitely, uh, you know, enamored. Uh, well, sure, as her. many of us were. So there you go. So, uh, and so there was something there. And then it wasn't, I don't know, there was also, it was just this, there was kind of a sweet side to it too. I don't think it was all just sexual lust, although that was there. <laughs> I think there was a genuine kind of, uh, you know. Romance? Uh, that kind of thing. I don't know. I think I, I, I definitely, you know. I think I had a crush. That's understandable. A real life thing that kind of came through. <laughs> so, do people ever recognize you, like on the street? As, what were they recognize you most as? Skippy. Yeah, that or if that at all these days. You know, there's a whole young generation. They don't really know the show. How old are you? Uh, I'm 38. So that would kind of make sense, I guess. I don't know. It takes a certain age of people. I mean, really, there's a whole generation who doesn't know it. Right. And so I don't get skippied all the time or anything. It's not okay. like a big. You can walk into a public library safely. As we so, have, so as no, we did creating, no, <laughs> no, no Beatles-like reaction. They've been looking around the end of the But I got shelves. that. It's not like I didn't experience that in my life. I did. I've gone to, you know, places and parties and libraries and whatever and airports and had all kinds of responses and things. And especially when the show was at its height, you right. know, I remember that time. And uh, I was a Plenty. No problem here. <laughs> You've had enough of Everybody, that. people want me to be more famous than I actually want to be because celebrity has become so important in society. Right. And so the idea that I have it or have it or had it, or I, I like to call it pseudo-liberty, <laughs> uh, my pseudo-liberty, but uh, they want me to uh, sort of, um, you know, cheese it out more. What I don't know what you want to call that. Go on more reality shows. That kind of thing. That's right. I haven't done any humiliating reality shows. I go on humiliating podcasts like this instead. This this is not humiliating. This is going to be great. No, who's going to listen? That's the great part. We have tens of listeners. I will have you know. (laughs) People do. People care. We're trying to get the word out to a whole new generation of, of Family Ties fans, you know. So what else can I tell you then? Well, you got any uh, secrets behind the set, you know, behind the scenes? I remember... Uh, the first casting call, the gentleman that was the assistant to the casting helped me prepare and he read with me and stuff, which wasn't totally uncommon, but I felt like he did it a little more like a coach, a little less like just a guy. I don't know. It was, 
It wasn't completely uncommon, but it wasn't every time either. It was a cool thing. And that gentleman has become a, a studio head and the guy that makes movies now and produces stuff. His name is Donald DeLine. He's behind the scenes, so you, not everybody knows his name. Okay. But if you Google him, you'll see he's behind like every big picture and he's ran a studio and he's like, you know, one of the major big shots in Hollywood. And, uh, that comes to mind that, that behind the scenes in Hollywood, that kind of stuff happens all the time. I mean, he was the lowest level <laughs> casting assistant. Um, so to see the rise of folks like that, and he wasn't the only one, but that's a great example. Um, uh, behind the scenes and where we did that, where did we have that little session where he worked with me and stuff? It was in Lucy Park <laughs> named after Lucille Ball. Okay. And that was where her park was. And I think they designed it to look like our backyard or something for press pictures when she was at work. <laughs> With her babies and stuff. There was some story. I don't know if any of it's true. You know, the kind of thing they read off the tour bus. Right. Going, this is Lucy Park. Where, you know. And uh, But that's where I used to hang out quite a bit. And that's where we had that session where he would uh, where he would um, work with me a little bit and kind of gave me an edge. I think when I went into the office, I felt confident and comfortable. <laughs> you know. So I'm always grateful for that. And then who did I go in and meet in the office? It was the executive producer, Gary Goldberg. No, no interview about family ties can go without mentioning him, who of course. he who is no longer with us, who we miss greatly. And it's such a shame that that happened so young for him because here was such a great man who um, really um, shaped the show in every way. He's the father of the show. There's no cast member. There's no writer. There's no producer. There's nobody that worked on the show or was a part of it in any way that didn't look up to him, you know. And that was the great thing we learned about how that all starts at the top. And he fostered a great feeling and he fostered a great ethic and he fostered great funny. And it all came together because of him. He was the, he was the, the great leader of our show. Well, it's good to hear that there was such a good relationship because you always wonder, like, how you guys get along behind scenes pretty well. Yeah, everybody did get along pretty behind the scenes pretty well, you know. Uh, it wasn't one of those fighting kind of shows. You, I remember stories coming up like in the Inquirer in those days. They had the Inquirer. Oh, I guess I now they that, have yeah. TMZ. It's the same thing, really. <laughs> uh, not really the same thing. Kind of the same thing. Um, but they said that, you know, Meredith Baxter Burney and Michael Gross, who played the parents on the show, were so also wonderfully talented and gifted and giving of themselves to me as a outsider came into the show and stuff. Everybody was really nice to me. And the dad was so funny, Michael Gross, so funny on the set and stuff. But they said they were upset that Michael J. Fox became the standout star, you know, that yeah. they did, that was unexpected. And well, that had partially right. It was unexpected. But when that happens, you just roll with it. It's like, that's a gift. And everybody knew that. No one was mad. Nobody was mad about that. Are you kidding? The show the show is number two because they've got this hot teen star on it. Now they're the stars of a hit show because, <laughs> they're not you know. Complaining. No, who can blame? Yeah. You know, same thing with JJ on Good Times, if you remember that show. You know, I do, yeah. He took off and became a standout, you know, phenomenon like Michael J. Fox did. Dynamite and all that. And I think every cast member on that show, bless their stars, they had that. Right. right. Well, yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah. We've discussed the rumors a little bit, but it's nice to have some firsthand knowledge. Sha la la la. Well, um, one last question for you, and then I know you got to get to your next thing. Do you, did you maintain relationships with people? Like how are these lifelong friends? So everybody's come together in different ways. We had a big reunion, fortunately, with Gary. I wonder how much he knew about his own health realities because it wasn't that much longer that we even had him at all but he put together a thing where we all got together again and that was so nice you know to really have like a high school reunion right. so many years <laughs> later 
And, uh, and then individually, you know, you can imagine it's hard to get everyone together in sure, one room, sure. right? Individually, though, we get together in different groups. Just this weekend, I was with Brian Bonzo, who played the little boy on the show, but I wasn't with him. I was with his fiance. Oh, really? How about that? Oh, He's cool. getting married. And, you know, I'm in touch with his mom and, uh, Scott Valentine, who played Nick on sure, the show. Sure. He and I are friends. People freak out sometimes when they see us together. <laughs> and Teeny Others, who played Jennifer on the show. Um, I think I've mentioned every cast member now at least once, right? Tina and Justine have kids. Michael, of course, has kids. So everybody, all the kids have kids. Right. I'm the only one. I don't have kids. You never know. You never know. And, um, my girlfriend has a 10 year old. And I, I actually, uh, yesterday at the airport, I saw there was a, a couple and, uh, the, young child dropped his water bottle out into the street. He ran to go get it. The mom went, stop it. Get, I'll get it. She smacked him kind of almost with her mouth, you know, just yelling <laughs> at him. She grabbed the thing. And then I just sort of had heart palpitations of the concept of being in any kind of father figure position myself. But you never know. It might happen. It's not bad. I have two kids and it's pretty cool. How old are your kids? Uh, six and eight. Six and eight. And yeah. do you watch the family ties with them? Uh, no, they're too young, a little too young. They get a little bored. If it's not animated at this point, they're, it's a little slow for that's, them. That, that's young, even from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but imagine uh, Brian Bonzel, who was that young when he was on the show, and his look at it. I'll have to introduce you to, and you could interview him for your show, because I think that would be a totally different perspective oh, yeah. than I have. I was just old enough. I was still, you know, a child star, but I was kind of more like a teen star. Right, right. And I feel like that gave me an edge on a few things, including the uh, you end up in jail syndrome, you know. I felt like just being just a little bit older than that. I don't right. know. A lot of teen stars got into trouble with the law, too, I guess. Uh, we just lucked out. I don't know what else to tell you. Sha-la-la-la. Well, um, Mark, I, I got to thank you so much for being here. I don't want to keep you any longer because I know you got your appointment to get to. But um, any any last things you want to plug? Any websites or any stuff like that you want to make sure our tens of listeners know about? Right. Well, I'm the spokesperson for a water technology. They could learn all about it at thesmartgreenhouse.com. We're not trying to sell anything other than the concept that this technology exists and that people need to know about it because uh, it offers the ability to grow in uh drought conditions with no paid for water. So I know I sound a little bit like a salesman, but it works off grid and you don't have to have a hose and you don't have to have the city involved and you don't have to have any uh, money invested in water. So it's great for people who are either off grid or dealing with drought circumstances. So they don't have access to water. Their water dries up. They have to pay for water, that kind of thing. This is uh, the future though, because as we know, um, scientifically uh, we're running out of water and people just treat it like, you know, it's an endless supply. And so that's why I have chosen this as my environmental cause. Places like Las Vegas and everything, they don't really have a plan and they're heading towards big trouble. People don't understand that famous quote, you don't miss your water till your well's gone dry. It's true. I very much believe it's running dry. I believe our well is running dry, Mm -hmm. underground aquifers, et cetera, the ability to just drain our public resources, our giant reservoirs, the Colorado River, et cetera. You just can't do that forever. And I think um, people will uh, come to understand that this is um, this and other forward thinking and progressive new ways of growing and irrigation, et cetera, uh, need to be addressed. So I'm behind this, but there's other ways as well. It's all part of an overall solution that's needed that isn't quite there yet. So if you want to learn more about this, What's the website again? The Smart Greenhouse. Smart Greenhouse. The Smart, the smart Greenhouse. Greenhouse. Com. Very cool. Cool. Thank you so much, Mark, for being here. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you, thank you. Sha-la-la-la! Well, I think that will just about wrap it up for this episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, please check us out on the internet at www.alexpkeatonismyfriend.com. You can also email us if you have any questions at uh, alexpkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com. And uh, that's about it. So please join us again next time for another very special episode of Alex P. Keaton is My Friend. What would we do, baby, without us? And there ain't no nothing we can love each other through.